Welcome to the Bible Reading Plan podcast by Victory Point. One of the best ways to grow as a disciple of Jesus is to read and reflect on Scripture daily. We created this podcast to guide you through our daily Bible reading plan that helps us dwell in God's Word as we grow together in listening to the Spirit. Whether you're on your commute, doing dishes, or just getting up in the morning, we're glad you tuned in. Good morning, and welcome to the Bible Reading Plan podcast. My name is Brendan, and I am here with uh, my guest. Our guest for the week is Billy Ray, and uh, he's joining us from, you're in Texas right now? Mm -hmm. Okay, Billy is in Texas. He's typically in Iraq, um, but in April he got back, um, and uh, after a planned, you know, you guys planned to be back here, and you're running ministry from Texas. So, uh, Billy, I would love to hear, like, why are you on this podcast? Um, you, I mean, you, you, we have a relationship through Victory Point, um, and you and I have met each other once in person, I think, at Matt's house. Is that right? Are we, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, we've yeah. been, de- and um, you've you visited Victory Point a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of give us a sense of uh, just a little bit of your personal story, and then how um, Victory Point kind of uh came into your view like uh how we begin a relationship uh yeah i so i work with world orphans i'm the middle east director uh for world orphans and i i believe it was maybe michael crick uh who had a friendship with um with matt um Mm -hmm that kind of put us together. Um, I think you guys at Victory Point were interested in um, investing and in prayer and support in the work in Iraq. And so I think it was Michael Crick that connected us. Um, I'm not sure exactly, but yeah, yeah we I think, so. were, I think you're right. went up to, uh, to visit you guys and loved meeting with, with Matt and everybody there. And Brendan, I'll never forget when, you know, we were just, talking around the kitchen table and you mentioned, have you heard of this book? Um, uh, is it Jesus through Middle Eastern eyes? Yeah. yeah. And that just really, I just felt a, uh, a point of connection with you because that's a book that we is required reading for all of our staff, um, our guys on the ground there. And we just, um, Kenneth Bailey, just a little plug for him, just find him an amazing, expositor of of scripture from a middle eastern perspective that i've told some people that i would i would give up all my other spiritual books for that one book because of its (laughs) the way it's transformed my understanding of the gospels um and the parables in particular it's just Mm -hmm. a great book yeah that's awesome yeah i love that book we were both in the middle of reading it i think and um good point of connection. I've learned a lot from Kenneth Bailey. And also um, I did a, 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 like a 10 day trip to Israel where um, we got to be in the footsteps of Jesus, obviously um, there, but um, just learning to see scripture from the ground, you know, and from context and to ask different kinds of questions about scripture and to have some different insights um, has helped me understand my faith and leadership and the gospel in different ways. Um, and I'm sure for you living in Iraq, what, what are some of the ways that you've learned 
to see scripture or the gospel differently uh, living in Iraq? Uh, yeah, I, I think that would be a long topic, but basically, you know, the <laughs> Proverbs have never been more real and the parables have never been more real than when you live in a, a mountain village that is basically doing life like they did 2000 years ago or more. Um, so they have a few of the modern accoutrements of, you know, civilization as we call it, but they're still shepherds and they, they still all live in one house. And when they, when someone gets married, they just add a room, you know, and to the house and it grows like that. And everyone's related in the entire community. There isn't one thing that happens in the community without it just, you know, uh, spreading immediately. Even our town is about 125,000, but it felt like um, it was only three miles across. So if you can imagine 125,000 people crammed into a less, you know, less than, uh, so three miles across and about a mile and a half wide. And so it was, uh, yeah, so there's no hiding anything. And then, and just all the little political intrigues that happen even within within a family are um, laid out for you there. Um, hmm. And they, they really do help bring out the scriptures just hmm. like, Oh, I think I understand this more. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the Oikos, the family is way more integrated in Middle Eastern culture is kind of what I hear you saying is that the connections are really deep in the household. Whereas we're more nuclear family focused in the United States, right? More individualistic, um, more business relations than family relations, maybe. Um, and you're saying that that people are are much more integrated in terms of like families, um, just adding on another room, like you said. And everyone kind of what I hear you saying is, even though it was 125,000 people, it still felt kind of like a small town because everyone was so interrelated and everything was so connected. Yeah. And you could walk anywhere. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe I could just give one quick story. There was, uh, um, the family that one of the families that were closest to there, I just asked one day. So he's the, there's like, he has nine siblings. Um, he's the third child, but he's the oldest male. So that means that he's taking on the responsibility um, to take care of the whole family, to make sure everybody can get a job, to, if there's, and there's, it's a community purse, um, which is, I think is important, massive change from, you know, the way we do things in the West. So uh, the money is, is a common purse, how they share hmm. within a family. And I just remember asking my friend, I was like, how do you make decisions? Um, what does it come down to? And so he was like, well, now that I'm of age, it really, um, I'm kind of the final authority, but um, over my mom and dad, but when it, you know, when we have a hard decision, it's, it's a discussion between my dad, my mom, and me. And I just, <laughs> when I just heard that, I was just like, oh my gosh, that just, that sounds a lot like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and the, the interconnectedness of a loving relationship that those three, uh, those three roles that basically bring 
um, justice that bring pastoring and everything. Uh, I think he mentioned once, he's like, yeah, the moms are the ones that always are the judges in our, you know, if something comes up in our home, they make, you know, they're the ones that always decide, you know, certain things. And, you know, it was just, it was just a huh. fascinating. I was like, oh my gosh, what if this thing that we, we have always thought of as a, almost a Western Greek philosophy. Oh yeah, we got this Trinity figured out. What if it is as simple as a mom, a dad, and a son? And, <laughs> you know, um, and uh -huh. that's the way every family is operating and they're the, um, yeah. But it's, um, just, it's really interesting how, even though the father and the mother are alive and well, um, the son, once he's married, he steps, once he's married, he steps into the role of head of house. Hmm. And yeah, once he has his bridegroom. Wow, that's he's amazing. The in, he's the one in charge. Here we are trying to do like ice, you know, water and steam, you know, and <laughs> you know what I mean? The three leaf clover and... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah, thank you for that. I'm going to be mulling on that for a while. Um, I think there's maybe like an article there, Billy. So you should get writing on that if you haven't already. Yeah, that's great. I mean, without an understanding of the, I mean, moms and dads don't operate like that in the West, do they? At all? No. And, yeah, right. And, uh, we don't. We don't have a history of of the firstborn man taking over the authority of the dad. Absolutely. Right. You know, yeah. um, and uh, but we do have some tendrils of getting that firstborn out of the house and making his way and letting him, come, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. So um, today we're going to be reading Psalm 105. Um, it's going to be 105 verses 1 through 6, 23 through 26, and then 45b. It kind of skips around. Uh, allow me to read that, and then we'll just spend some time reflecting on that together, okay? Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wonderful works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wonderful works he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of his servant Abraham, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Then Israel came to Egypt. Jacob lived as an alien in the land of Ham. And the Lord made his people very fruitful and made them stronger than their foes, whose hearts he then turned to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. He sent his servant Moses and Aaron, whom he had chosen. Praise the Lord. Okay, so Billy, as I read that psalm, what's what's something that's kind of grabbing your attention out of that? Um, well, I guess yesterday we discussed the Exodus passage and about, so Moses was sent out away from the Hebrews in Egypt and he lived in the land of Midian as an alien. Uh, this is just this word. Jacob lived as an alien in the land of him. But I just it was. In, I just thought it was interesting this juxtaposition since we're doing this uh, same passage that uh, Moses, when he married Zipporah and his son, he named him Gershom, 
which my little text in my Bible says, basically an alien there. Um, and so clearly Moses, his, um, his own son, he named him an alien, um, which probably wouldn't be a, <laughs> I wouldn't think that would, I, I don't, you, it'd take a while for me to think of a, an, a, an equivalent, but I mean, we wouldn't probably in our society name our son refugee or um, immigrant or foreigner, you know, those are kind of, especially in a, such a closed um, culture where there wasn't a whole lot of movement, um, to name your son that is like a mark of his estrangement from his true identity, his true people um, back across the Red Sea over there in Egypt. Um, and just, just think about that, calling your son alien. Every, hey, alien, come over here. You know, <laughs> Ill, the alien there, come over here. And that was the name he gave to his son. And I think it just was a reflection of how Moses felt. I'm alienated. Um, and here you have, and so, you know, the end of the story is that God would call the one who feels alien to the people who were aliens in Egypt. Um, and um, so anyway, that word just kind of struck out to me. Hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, I was, so the Hebrew word is gar, right? Or ger, gar. Um, okay. and, and yeah, it's stranger, alien, foreigner. I was just introduced to this term a couple of nights ago when I read an article by Ben Connor and Chris Klein. Chris Klein is a member of our church and Ben Connor is a missiologist who focuses on disability ministry. And he was, he was kind of referencing some other, um, writing that had do that introduced this term gar into the conversation about disability ministry. And, um, I hadn't heard this term. But uh, what he's doing is he's saying um, people with, um, with profound intellectual disabilities act as a, a gar or a gur in, um, in, our, in our communities, and they have an evocative witness, that's their calling. All that to say is um, the stranger plays a huge role in the story of God, that, um, that we are always uh, strangers in a strange land, right? Like as citizens of God, um, Jesus was a stranger to us. Like he was an outsider, right? Someone from heaven who was sent down, a foreigner sent down and um, someone who, you know, is a citizen of a different kingdom, but here to um, live among us as a stranger. And how do we treat the stranger, uh, right? Like that's, that's what, um, you know, we're, were uh, asked by Jesus is like, how are you treating the stranger and foreigner? Because like I lived as a foreigner among you and you are going to be foreigners and you were once foreigners to God. Um, so this idea of strangers all over scripture in a lot of different facets, both in Jesus as a stranger, the people of God, like Abraham and uh, Jacob, like it says here, Moses who lives as a stranger, um, and then to the church, who's called to be citizens of a, a strange kingdom living in this world. And so what attention do we pay to being uh, strangers? And yesterday, you even um, highlighted 
kind of the double stranger role that Moses is playing where he's a stranger in Midian, but he's also become a stranger to his people. He has no home to go back to, you know, the, the people who used to be his family or his people can, are no longer his people because of what he's done. He's kind of uh, soiled that uh, relationship. And um, so he can't go back to Egypt as if it's his home because that place is, he's a stranger to that, but he's also living as a stranger in Midian, right? So he's got no home. And uh, yesterday you see Abraham meeting kind of his home in, in God, right? In Yahweh, who says, I'll be your God. Um, and here it seems like the psalmist is, is saying like, this is the inheritance we have is that we are children of the stranger. And um, we can expect that we will never truly find our home, right? I mean, the, I'm, I'm um, extrapolating from this psalm, right? It's not saying this in the psalm. But um, when you say Jacob lived as an alien in the land of Ham, that's kind of the verse you're drawing out, right? Israel came to Egypt, Jacob lived as an alien in the land of Ham. Um, is this idea that um, God calls the church, God calls his people to live as strangers in a strange land. Oh, I forgot to mention the exile of, um, uh, you know, the Jews coming from Judah and called to live as strangers in um, in Babylon and, uh, and to remember that their true home is not the place that they're living in. And I think that's something that we all always need to remember. And, and again, I wonder if this is a great perspective that you're bringing to us as someone who has left home, so to speak, in Texas, gone to Iraq and, uh, you know, lived as a stranger there. And it kind of becomes your home, maybe. I don't know if you would call that home, if it felt like home, if you feel and then you come back to Texas, are you really back home or, you know, is home in Iraq um, or is it neither place? And now you, you just feel like a stranger no matter where you go. I don't know. what What's that feel like for you uh, right now in your situation? Yeah, well, I mean, we spent nearly um, basically the last 20 years we've been in the Middle East, uh, Turkey, and then Iraq. And um, I, I think that... Um, yeah, better question. That better question would be to ask my kids. <laughs> We're born in Turkey, yeah. who uh, raised in Iraq, who now are going to school in Texas. Um, uh, they're the, the real heroes, I think, in this story. But mm. uh, I think you know when God called me into the work, it's you know that special place where you hear God's voice is really home. And it doesn't matter the landscape or the geography or where you're standing. Uh, the place where we hear God's voice and where we walk with him and we feel his presence, that's home to me. Mm, yeah. And it doesn't matter what's around me. I know that it's, uh, I get all of the feelings of belonging and all, everything is answered in God as my refuge. Mm. Um, and, you know, you see that word come up in scripture a lot in the old testament he's our refuge and it kind of is like that place you know it's mm. the, the the place um of belonging of feeling safe of feeling loved and uh satisfied in him mm. uh, and it's not it's not tangible um not something you can see same time it is it is tangible 
when you've really felt it, when you've really heard his voice in your heart. Um, so I, I think uh, hmm. it also takes you out of this world, you know, and yeah. uh, when, because he is preeminent, you know, he's, uh, he's the eternal God. Yeah. He's, he's your true home. He's our true home. And uh, I think that's significant that, I mean, that's what you're truly, that's the kind of home you're trying to set up for these refugees that are coming into the Valley in Iraq is they're seeking home and you're building homes for them. And you're also um, inviting them to a greater home, you know, a greater sense of homecoming that we're all looking for. And the, the reality is we're all refugees in some, some way um, after the fall and um, making our way back home. We're all pilgrims on our way, on our journey back to the new Jerusalem. And, um, and so we're all seeking that sense of home, that sense of belonging, which can only be found in God, which brings me back to the, um, the Psalm, which says, um, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. That's mm-hmm. truly our sense of home. And that, that's what, um, so Moses, I think, I think that may be why maybe, maybe Moses turned aside and went to the bush, you know, to seek God's presence and to be curious. He's looking for something, you know, uh, Moses is hungry for something. And, um, and, uh, and then he finds it and he finds God and finds this sense of home and belonging. And so thanks for bringing that out. And I think it's a good reminder for all of us, um, that, that the sense of home and belonging that we're searching for in so many different things, whether it's a career or family or money or, you know, a bigger house or, or whatever the, it is that we're chasing a sense of significance or purpose or, you know, achievement or uh, meaning, whatever it is we're looking for, um, our true sense of home and belonging and rest and security refuge is in Christ. Um, and we will never be truly home until we found home with him. So, um, thanks for bringing that out today. Um, so I hope today, um, as you know, you guys are listening to this, you, you sense, uh, God's presence and you are reminded that, um, you know, of your belonging and your uh, sense of home with God. So everybody go in peace and we'll catch up with you tomorrow. Thank you, Billy. Um, we'll continue this conversation tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Bible Reading Plan podcast. If you have any reflections on the scripture we just read, please click the link in the show notes to leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. Let me send you on your way with a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Thank you.